John chapter 12, I commence reading from verse 44. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come to the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the authority... Let me read verse 49 again. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we now ask that as we bow and sit in silence of heart, that you speak to us. Speak to us through your word. Speak to us as a church. Speak to us as individuals. And Lord, we pray that all of us, as we leave this place, will testify that the Lord spoke to me and to us. Cause that your word will be preached authoritatively, instructingly, encouraging, and also that it will be done so by the aid and the power of the Holy Spirit. Won't you be pleased to honor yourself and honor your son through the preaching of your word in Jesus' name? Amen. Our journey in the book of John finds us this morning in verse 44 through to verse 50 of chapter 12. And in those verses, we see the realities of living faith, the facts of living faith. And what we have there recorded for us is the Lord Jesus Christ is coming to his public ministry, as it were, and is moved by his desire to see that none of those who are present or who heard him teach should perish. And Jesus made a final plea to all of them. And what we see here is that John basically repeats or gives us a summary of what the Lord Jesus Christ has been preaching from the time he entered into the public scene. And what he wants us is never to forget the last words of our Lord Jesus Christ. From chapter 13 all the way to the end of the book of John, the teachings that are recorded for us there are more private 
And the Lord Jesus Christ speaks with his disciples in private, as it were. But chapter 12 marks the conclusion of the Lord Jesus Christ's public ministry, but also the Lord Jesus Christ's direct appeal to the nation of Israel. And what we see is that it's never wise to ignore final notices. And especially if that notice or that word is coming from God. And John's words resonate with the words of Paul in Acts chapter 17 and verse 31. When Paul was writing or teaching in Anthians and he challenges them that a time is coming when God will judge the world. For he has fixed a day when he will judge the world and he will do it through the man of his choosing, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what we see in John is the summary of the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And our text is Jesus' final notice to the Jews who had not believed in him. They had heard his words, they had seen his miracles, but continued to stubbornly reject and refuse him. And the Lord Jesus Christ pleads with his hearers and he challenges them to listen to what he was saying. And what John does is that he brings what Jesus has been teaching throughout as a reminder of the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what we do have here is we see that Jesus, with affection for his hearers, he pleads that they should each consider what he has been teaching and see whether they are truly in him. And so John highlights the key elements through the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ and he summarizes them as the teachings of he who had come from heaven. And then from chapter 13 onwards, as I've, have I said, they were spoken in private or they were spoken privately to the disciples. And so, in this final notice or final appeal of the Lord Jesus Christ to the nation of Israel, Jesus gives reasons why they ought to believe in him. He gives them reasons as to what his mission is or was as he came into this world. And John summarizes those teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first thing we see in that summary is that living faith is in Christ Jesus as mediator. Living faith is in Christ Jesus as the mediator. And we see this in verse 44 and verse 45. And Jesus cried out and said, 
Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. The significance of the, of the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ is that we can only know God in him. And if the Lord Jesus Christ is not God, then we do not know what God is like because we have no basis for saying anything about God. And that's why the Lord Jesus Christ says, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me, and whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. And then John there highlights that the Lord Jesus Christ cried out in a loud voice. And the verb that John uses here in verse 44, it is the same verb that he uses in, in chapter 7 and verse 28. You remember at the feast of dedication, at the last day, again the Lord Jesus Christ cried out and said, whoever is thirsty, let him come and drink the living waters. And so John wants us to see that the Lord Jesus Christ was not just teaching, but the Lord Jesus Christ was making a strong appeal to his hearers. He wanted his hearers to pay attention to what he was saying. And with great emotion and agency, he repeatedly reached out to the nation of Israel, calling them to believe his teaching. The nation of Israel had repeatedly rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And their basis for rejecting Christ was that they were claiming that they loved God. And so because they had this allegiance to the God of Israel, they did not see why they needed to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And their claim was that we know the God of the Old Testament. We know the God who appeared to our forefathers. And that's the God to whom we give our allegiance. And this was their justification of rejecting Christ. That they had an intimate relationship with the Father. And after all, they were the chosen nation and they belonged to the nation of God's own choosing. And here, Jesus affirms, or Jesus is affirming his essential unit with the Father. He's basically saying, there's no way you can claim that you love my Father and yet reject me. Because I and my Father are one. This is something Christ throughout the gospel of John teaches. And it is something that he teaches the nation of Israel even on this occasion. He affirms that 
He's united with the Father. He is one with the Father. He's been sent by the Father. And he also affirms that he's so, he and the Father are so closely identified that to believe in Christ is to believe in the Father. And to believe in the Father is to believe in Christ. And to see Christ is to see the Father. And so in those words of the Lord Jesus Christ, he, he states that he and the Father are one and yet they are distinct. And that's why he's able to say, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but him who sent me. There is this union between Christ and the Father. And yet there's this distinction between the Father and the Son. And by the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, he clearly teaches that he is God. But he's also distinct from the Father. And this is the teaching of the scriptures. True and living faith is in Christ as the mediator. He came so that he can atone for the sins of the world. He came from the Father into this world. He is the sacrifice for sin. And without Christ, there is no salvation. There is no knowing the Father. Christ is a mediator between God and man. That's why he's fully God and fully man. He's fully man because man sinned against God and therefore man needed one of their kind to atone for their sins. But he's fully God because only God can drink in the wrath of God. Only God can satisfy God. And this is why Christ is showing us that living faith is in him as the mediator. This is the teaching of the scriptures. Throughout the, throughout the Bible, we see the teaching of the Trinity. Though we may not logically explain to our satisfaction, but it's there in the scriptures. The Bible shows us that the Father, the Spirit, and the Son are distinct, yet they are united. We can never fully understand the doctrine of the Trinity. And this is why several cults reject it. Because they would rather have a God that they can logically understand and explain. But the Trinity is taught throughout the scriptures. God exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yet each of the three persons is fully God and yet distinct from each other. But also the Bible teaches us that God is one. Deuteronomy 6 verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. 
But also when you read in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 5 and 6, you actually again see this teaching that God is one. And therefore, when the Lord Jesus Christ says, whoever sees me, sees the one who sent me, he's also affirming the teachings that the scriptures record for us. In the Gospel of John, in John chapter 1 and verse 14, it states, And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we've seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. But also see what John teaches us in John chapter 1 and verse 18. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And this is, a, and this is what Christ is affirming. This is what Christ is reminding his audience. This is what Christ is reminding all of us. And when you read in John chapter 14 and verse 9, when Jesus responds to Philip's question, when Philip asks, show us the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ says to Philip, long have I been with you and yet you ask, show us the Father? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. That's what Christ says. And John the Apostle, when he writes his first letter, the first John chapter 2 and verse 23, he affirms the teaching of Christ and he writes in first John chapter 2 and verse 23, No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Christianity is believing what the Bible says about the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus is the mediator. God made him to be seen who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And therefore, you cannot deny the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ and at the same time believe the one true God. You cannot deny that Jesus is distinct from the Father and Jesus is God and yet deny. That Jesus is God. There are those who teach that the Father and the Son and the Spirit are just different manifestation of the one and the same person or the one and the same being. And yet they, they, they don't take into account what the Bible teaches. The Lord Jesus Christ in his prayer in John 17 verse 3 prays and this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And if Jesus, the Father and the Spirit, are just different manifestations of the, the same thing, then that prayer will be 
nonsense, would be useless. Why would Christ ask, pray to the Father that they may know the one true God, but also that they may know Jesus, whom you have sent? People even today try to justify their lack of devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ by claiming that they have their own relationship with, with God. And they don't see the need to obey and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ because they know God. And such a confession clearly shows that there's no living faith there. Because living faith is in Christ as the mediator, the one who came into this world to reveal the Father to us, the one who came into this world so that if we believe in him, we believe in the Father who sent him, the one who came into this world so that through him we may come to know the Father and be reconciled to the Father. And for anyone to claim that I know God, I believe in God, and yet deny the Lord Jesus Christ, is a sure way that they do not know the scriptures and therefore are not Christians. The Lord Jesus Christ reminds all of us as he did to his audience that living faith is in Christ as the mediator. Secondly, we see that living faith Rescues men from darkness. Living faith in Christ Jesus rescues men from darkness. Verse 46. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. In the gospel, darkness signifies a moral condition. A a condition that is devoid of God. And this moral condition affects a person's desire and will. The reason for Jesus' coming was to bring light, spiritual light, so that people who are in darkness may come into this marvelous light of God's salvation. That those who are in moral darkness may be reconciled to God in Christ's own atoning work. And the Lord Jesus Christ confirms here something that is already taught throughout the Gospel of John, something that is taught throughout the Gospels. And here he reminds them that he is the true light. (coughs) The light. That has come into the world. And this means that the world without Christ 
is in spiritual and moral darkness. They do not understand the things that the Spirit of God has revealed in His Word. Because they are in darkness. They are in moral and spiritual darkness. Their understanding is darkened. And they are excluded from the life of God. And I'm not in any way saying that unbelievers lack wisdom to do anything. God, out of his common grace, grants even unbelievers some wisdom so that the, the world is not self-destroyed. God grants them some wisdom and some light to understand, to see things as it were. But any light that they possess is hopelessly mixed with spiritual and moral confusion. Unbelievers typically believe certain truths about God, those truths that they like, and reject those that they deem to be offensive. This is what we mean by spiritual and moral confusion. On one hand, on one hand they'll believe that God is love. And yet reject when the Bible says God is holy, God is just, God is righteous. On one end, they will believe that God is so loving, we will we, we, we not punish them. And yet the scriptures are clear that God will not allow anything impure before his presence. And yet this spiritual and moral confusion causes unbelievers to choose what they want to believe in God's word and reject those things which they find offensive. They would rather have a God who's love, not a God who's just or righteous. Yet God's Attributes. God's character is that he's both love, just, righteous, and holy. You cannot separate his character. That's who he is. There's no moment when God is just love alone. And not righteous or just. His justice drove him to love the world. And his righteousness provided a perfect sacrifice, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. This moral confusion of those living in, in the darkness is seen every day, even in how people think of morality. They will choose those things that appeal to them and reject those things that are very clear in the scriptures. If we abandon God's word 
which is the only reliable standard for morality, we will walk and globe in darkness, moral and spiritual confusion. Because we've denied and rejected the only reliable standard of morality, the word of God. This is why we see so much confusion in terms of morality and spirituality because we've abandoned what the scriptures teach. And here the apostle John records for us that Jesus Christ came into this world as light so that no one may remain in darkness. And living faith in Christ Jesus rescue us from darkness, spiritual and moral darkness. Anyone who's come to know Christ as Lord and Savior can look back at a time when they walked in moral confusion. They did not know Christ. They lived according to the dictates of their hearts. They thought all was covered, all was well. They followed their hearts. They pursued their passions. They did everything they desired under the sun. And one day, when the light of the world, Christ Jesus, came into their lives, and God opened them up and showed them the moral confusion they were in, they were able to see that truly light has come and God has granted them eternal life in Christ Jesus. And they would say with the Apostle Paul, all those things that I once regarded as important are as filthy and useless. Why? Christ the light has shone into their lives. And it's not that they pretend. No, Christ the light has shown them what true and eternal life is. Christ has come and rescued them from darkness. The Apostle, Paul, the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5 writes, this is the message that we heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. In the words of Christ is that he is holy and he has the power to deliver those who are held under the domain of Satan's darkness, those who are held in the palms of the God of this world. Christ is able to rescue them from their sins. Being in darkness is an inner condition which results in outward behavior.
being in light is also an inner change which results in outward behavior. Just as a darkness that comes from inside of us and affects everything about us, being saved and rescued from that moral darkness, that spiritual darkness, it's also an inner change that brings about its beauty and affects the outward appearance of a person. And this is why we're able to see from the conduct, the, the choices, the lifestyle of an individual, and we're able to see and confirm that truly there must have been an inner change. Why? Because this change, this power within, affects you not just inside of you, but that inner change affects your outward look, your outward appearance, your outward desire. Why? Because Christ has changed your heart has rescued you from darkness and has altered everything about you. And that change affects even your outward look to life and the things of this world. Living faith in Christ rescues men and women from the darkness of sin. And in the third place we see that living faith results in everlasting life in Christ Jesus. Living faith results in everlasting life in Christ Jesus. 47 to the end. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have spoken not on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that, the, that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. To be exposed to the light of the gospel is a glorious privilege. And to treat it as worthless is extremely foolish. Because it is that same word that you, you treat as useless that will stand as a judge on that day. The reason Jesus Christ came was to accomplish God's gracious offer of salvation and to proclaim that salvation to the world. The reason Jesus Christ came was to save the world from sin. John 3 verse 17 says, The world is already condemned, but Christ came not to condemn. Why? Because the world is already condemned. Because the world <coughs> is in rebellion against God. 
The world is under the wrath of God. We are born sinners in rebellion against God, wanting to have nothing to do with this God. So the world is already under the condemnation of God, but Christ came not to condemn the world, but to save the world from sin. And here he reminds us that living faith results in eternal life, everlasting life in Christ Jesus. He came to proclaim the gracious offer of God who who is the offended party. God the Father is offended by the sins of the world. And Christ came to proclaim this gracious offer of salvation which the Father had planned and the Son has accomplished for us. But when a person begins to resist the light of the gospel that they've been exposed to, they begin to form an opinion over the gospel. And they come to a place of total rebellion against this God. And those who, find, who will go to hell will do so because they love darkness and sin. And they, they scorned at the light of the gospel in Christ Jesus. And those who continue to reject God's offer of salvation, God brings about a judicial blindness so that they continue wallowing in sin. As Paul says in Romans 1, God gave them over to the desires of their hearts. There's that judicial blindness because you continue to reject God. Who alone can open your eyes? Who alone can change your heart? But each day that you resist this God, God is slowly giving you over to your desires. And those desires will completely destroy your life and you'll be ushered in hell. Those who heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ continued to reject him. They heard his words. They saw his miracles but they still did not believe. And the Lord Jesus Christ emphasizes that the father gave him a command and the command was to speak that which the father had commanded him and the commandment is that is eternal life the father commanded him to say that which he commanded him And what was it that the Father commanded the Son? Is that they must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. 
That's the father's command to the son. And that's the son's word to the hearers. And that's Christ's words to you. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. This underscores that God the Father is a fine authority and is given his son the command. His son accepted and had said, I would die for the world. And when Christ came into this world, he did not just he did not bring divine suggestions. He did not bring divine suggestion for a happy life, for a happy living. He brought a command from the Father. And that command is believe on my Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will be saved. And this is a command. It's not just an invitation. It's a command. Yes, throughout in the gospel we see God's gracious invitation to sinners. But we also see God's command to sinners to put up their rebellion and come to him in faith and in repentance. And here we see that the command of the Father, the command of the Lord Jesus Christ, is that you must give up your rebellion and come to him today. It's not a divine suggestion. It's not an invitation to a debate. It's a command from the God who possesses all authority in heaven and on earth. He's the one who commands you to give up your rebellion today and to come to him in faith and in repentance. And this is an appeal to all of us this morning. This may be God's last words to you. And his words is for you to believe in Christ and you will have everlasting life. Because everlasting life is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not something to delay. This is not something to put for another day. It is something to take with the seriousness it deserves today. God's judgment that will be poured on Unbelief is not illogical, but inevitable. It's not like just God just burst out of emotions and say, I'll punish everyone. No. It's because your sins that you continue to entertain convinced you to reject the command of God and somehow you thought you can get away with it. And God is saying, 
judgment is coming. The message of Christ, when refused, will become the condemnation of sinners. Jesus Christ's mission was to glorify the Father by proclaiming the Father's gracious offers to sinners. The Father's sovereign purpose is to lift men and women out of their darkness and to give them eternal life that is in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if Christ is not your hope this morning, the wrath of God continues to hang over you and it's just a matter of time. You will be destroyed. Because there's no hope outside Christ. There's no life outside Christ. There's no eternal life outside Christ. Only in Christ is there hope, is there life, is there joy. And I plead with you that you may ask yourself, are the realities of living faith true in me? Can I sing the words of the hymn we'll be singing in closing and mean every word of that song? In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, and my peace. He is my cornerstone, and it is on him, that solid ground, in whose place I stand. And as I look at life, I can say with confidence and joy, no guilt in life, no fear in death. Why? Because this is the power of Christ in me. And from life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. And I know that there's no power of hell, not even the schemes of man, can ever pluck me from the hands of my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Till he returns, or he calls me home today, here in the power of Christ, I will stand. Is this true of you? Is this true of you this morning? Can you say these words and mean every word in that song? If that's not true of you, Come to Christ today and you will find eternal life. Amen.